We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's rapid fire time. Yes! Let's go! Let's do it. Let's go! Okay, so we'll stick on the Marcus Freeman topic. I've heard some people refer to Marcus Freeman's coaching style as, quote, a cheerleader approach. What do you think about that? You know, that's very interesting. I never really thought of him that way as like a cheerleading coach. Uh, I <laughs> He was always kind of a... You I know, mean, like he's, he's out there rah-rah and, you know, all that uh, kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. I guess that's a kind of a synonym for players coach. You know what I mean? That he kind of, right. he wants what's best for the players and he's always, you know, there and, you know, we're the best friends and making the videos and stuff like that. And I can see that, I guess, but that's more to me, that's more of his outside the program persona as opposed to what we see at practice. And I think what the players see behind closed doors. Yeah. I don't think that that's really how he is with the players. But I do think that is how he's viewed outside of the Goog by a lot of people. So, I mean, I get it. I guess it makes sense. But I don't think that that's really his personality when it comes to teaching the kids how to play the game. Brian Kelly had very little personal relationships with his players, and he had purple face. (laughs) Yeah. Marcus Freeman has, (laughs) you know deep connections with his players. He doesn't have purple face. You know, some people see him maybe, you know, again, as a little too rah-rah. I think that, one, he's 36 years old. And the trend, you know, this trend has been going on for several years now. Absolutely. Younger coaches. Sean McVay. Sean, yeah, Sean McVay. You know, the guy in Miami, I can't think mm-hmm. of his name right now, but had a very successful, you know, debut. Even, you know, Sean McDermott in Buffalo. He's young. Sure. You look at baseball. Like Alex Cora, you know, all these different guys, younger coaches, deeper connections with the players. Sure. Like, you know, the like Brian Kelly is like the classic, you know, old, older school approach. Yeah. You know, he's the old guard. Knows, you know, hands off. Like, like, you know, I played high school sports in the 80s. We virtually had no personal relationships with any of our coaches. It's true. Even the assistants, you know, everyone just seemed like much more ancient and older than us. There was never any of that. Everything was, you know, coach him hard, hard nosed, all this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. 
it's a lot different now. You know, there are the, like the interpersonal relationships that Marcus Freeman has. You know, it's like at the one time you're praising him because he's able to go out there and make these connections with high school kids and get these big, you know, high school recruits. But then when you lose a couple of games, well, it's the wrong approach to have. You know, right. you're, you're too close to the players. You're too rah-rah. Like you said, like we've seen him, you know, he's not. he was never walking around practicing when we were there you know, rah-rah, hand clapper, cheering, and all that kind of stuff. He was in there, you know, he was in there coaching, and then there yep. were times when we were walking out of practice. You know, I think it was the very first day where, you know, he had to have, you know, kind of a, look, guys, we can't have the, you know, we can't have guys puking and unable to finish practice, you know, at the end right. of practice. we got to have you here. It's got to be, you know, all those different things. So just because maybe the image that you have is one thing doesn't mean that right. he's not actually getting his hands dirty in their coaching. So I think it's a mischaracterization yeah. of who Marcus Freeman is as a, ho as, as a coach, just because you have good relationships with your players doesn't mean you're not coaching them hard as well. I completely agree with you. And that's, I, I never questioned his boundary between being a player's coach and being a coach who is respected. You right. know, and, and that's the key. If your players respect you, they're going to listen to you and they're going to learn from you and all of that. And you can still have a relationship with those players. It's a fine line to walk. Don't get me wrong. But I always felt like he walked that line pretty darn well, to be honest with you. And they, and again, even in that, the Vegas video, they kind of made a joke about it. Right. Because, you know, he's doing these like, wait, guys, I'm your, I'm your coach. coach, not your friend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, they made a joke about it, but I do think that he, he does walk that line very well and it, it's a fine line but i think he does yeah. a good job with it i do so i don't think that that's any because again like you like you said you can't have it both ways he's a dynamic recruiter because he develops relationships with these kids on the recruiting trail you can't just shut that down when they come on campus right i mean you can't have it both ways you know you can't well you're here I'm well, you're a different you guy. Anymore. It's like, oh, you're you're you know, you're on my time now, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah you can't have it both ways. Otherwise, those guys are gonna be like, you know what? I'm out of here. They're gonna just leave and they're gonna transfer and all of these different things. So I think he does a good job of showing his genuine self to players and and prospective players and all of that. But when it's time to be coached, I he's a coach and he coaches them up at practice. So Yep. I, yeah, I, 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 I think he does actually a good job of that. Maybe what he's coaching, maybe we got to work on. But other than that, I yeah. think he does a good job with that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Fill in the blank. Notre Dame's goal for the rest of this season is now blank. Well, I think the goal has to be New Year's Six. Um, because look, you're gonna set a if you're setting a goal, it's something you want to achieve, right? Is that a realistic goal? I'll let you know maybe uh, Saturday about 7 o'clock whether that's a realistic goal or not because I need to see this team play a heck of a lot better than they did last Saturday. And they're going to have to continue getting better and better and better when the likes of the Clemsons and the BYUs and the USCs, et cetera, right? So, but I think as of right now, that has to be your goal. New Year's 6 has to be your goal because I think realistically a 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two team can be a New Year's 6 team. Because, you know, they they plucked the top four teams out of the New Year's Six. And so now you've got other opportunities to, to get yourself in there. And there's still, look, it's still Notre Dame. There's still eyeballs. And when they've got at-large opportunities, if a bowl team has, a bowl has an opportunity to select Notre Dame, they're going to do it, right? So I think 9-3, and 10-2 and two still get you into a New Year's Six. And I think that's the goal right now. I, you know, I think you're right about that, but you have 10 games to go. And so, yeah. the, you know, the margin for error obviously becomes much Zero. more slim. And like <laughs> BYU is looking pretty good. BYU beat Baylor last weekend. And, you know, they've got, they're, they're looking, that's not a team to be overlooked. So, I mean, you definitely have three games that you know are going to be tough Absolutely. on the schedule. To me, it's, it's now, now this is, this is the floor you know, the, the, the goal for the, like to look like the football team that you thought you were coming into this season, not, not just to look like it, to play like it, like, you know, like the two lines. And, and I do think that it starts there, especially since that was yeah. such a big emphasis for Marcus Freeman coming into the season. They have to look a lot more competent, you no know, like we, going back to what we were talking about earlier with who, what Marcus Freeman and Tom, you know, slash Tommy Reese thought this team was, mm-hmm. what's this offensive line right now? Like we saw this offensive line during camp. It is, it is baffling that <laughs> that line has looked like what it has looked like. And we were all heaping all this praise on Harry Heastand and we thought it was deservedly so, but what we've seen from that unit so far has been very disappointing. What we've seen yeah. from the defensive line, Al Washington's group, has been very disappointing. So, like, to me, it starts with that. Like, if you can become more physical and play to a higher standard with both of those lines, both sides of the football, you know, what you were just talking about is going to take care of itself, I think, right. ultimately. Yeah. Now, you, you, can't, you can't go out there on Saturday and try to be a smash-mouth football team just because right. that's what you want to do. You know, you have to be realistic with what you are. Maybe you have to, you know, sure. grow to that level. But to me, it starts with that. Play to that standard, you know, on, on both of those fronts, and the big-picture stuff is ultimately going to take care of itself, I think. No, I like that a lot. And uh, you're absolutely right because, 
you need to have you need to have season long goals and you also need to have you know shorter term goals that will get you to your long term goal right and I, I think that was a great explanation of okay we got to do this 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 and this before we can worry about that right? right so I think that's a really good point I was looking at it as more like hey what's what's our end goal uh, but sure. you're, you're no you're I got you yeah you're hundred percent right you've got to do a lot of things in order to get to that point and again the margin for error for what I said the goal should be is razor thin it's razor yep. thin you you have to you not only do you have to compete in these games you got to win them you know you got to win them if you want that to be your goal i mean there's plenty of people out there in the chat and elsewhere they're gonna say oh the goal is six and six it's to be bowl eligible you know after we've what we've seen from the first two games i get where you're coming from so far they haven't even shown me that they're even worth being in a bowl let alone a new year six bowl so is it pie in the sky to think that they're going to make a New Year's Six Bowl? Maybe, especially after what we've seen. But it's still a goal that you can have that is attainable because of what you still have in front of you. That That's yeah. my point. You know what I mean? Even if it's lofty, it's still a goal you can achieve if you do everything you need to do. Yep. Another fill in the blank. Here's a tweet from Drew Tranquil after the loss to Marshall Saturday. Here's what Drew Tranquil said. I remember back in 2018 when we barely beat Ball State, we went on to go 12-0 and next uh, that, that year. Today, it's the flip side of the coin. One bad day in the office doesn't have to define the season. Tough times go away. Tough people don't. Embarrassing, but I can't wait to see the response. Vince, that's blank. 100% accurate. because and I'm, and I'm more referring to the last part. I mean, you can't really compare – an almost loss, which was a victory, an almost loss to what to happened on Saturday. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, we talk about Ball State and we talk about a how loss. One they, weren't, they weren't prepared for it, but they still won the game, right? right. I mean, so it, it's hard for me to compare the two because they're not going to go 12-0. and At best, they're going to go 10-2, and right? So you can't really compare that top stuff. The bottom part of this, I completely agree with you. Tough times go away. Tough people don't. It's embarrassing, but I can't wait to see the response. That part I'm on board with because I can't wait to see the response as well because there has to be one. And there's going to yeah. be there's going to be a response. Is it going to be a positive response or is it going to be a negative response? It's going to be yeah. one of the two. I can't wait to see the response either. So I think that last part is 100% accurate with what he said. And you're right about that first part because you can't compare an almost loss to a loss because it basically comes down to what we were talking about before. You know, no matter how much you might despise Brian Kelly now, they didn't play to their standard, but they still found a way to win. Notre Dame didn't play to its standard Saturday against Marshall, but they couldn't find a way to win. Yeah. Like the tailspin continued and things got worse. What the response is going to be, I am really, really curious <laughs> to see. Because, again, Me too. we've never seen Marcus Freeman in this situation before because Marcus Freeman has not been a head coach before. And that's that's what I – well, I do want to see what the response is. Sure. Are they going to figure out a way to turn this thing around? Because it's not like it's never happened before. But, you know, because we were all here six years ago, we saw it to 2016 – turned into now i again the roster everything else there's nothing that points us to saying that's what this is going to turn into but 
what is the response going to be? I really do want to see what the response yeah. is going to be. Yes, absolutely. Because there, there needs to be one. <laughs> I mean, there needs to be there needs to be a response, and there's going to be one. But man, oh man, I, uh, oh, we'll see. Okay, now this next question is less a question than there's going to be a lot to it. Did you did you do your Already. homework? I did not as much as I wanted to, but I did yeah. do my homework and I okay. definitely have an opinion. So we all know NBC. Now we were at the game Saturday, but we recorded the game on NBC. We have, you know, we have watched parts of it back, you know, more for X's and O's and stuff like that. Less for, you know, Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett doing the commenting. <laughs> right. I was going to actually, because of the fact that, you know, they lost to Marshall, I was going to save this for next week. But then Andrew Marchand, who covers sports media for the New York Post and is the co-host of the Marchand and Oran Sports Media Podcast, he basically did a review, a critique of the new Jack Collinsworth, Jason Garrett booth. And this is more about Jack Collinsworth than it is Jason Garrett. But so here's what Marshan had to say, and I'll try to kind of go through. Do you want to go through this point by point, or do you want me to kind of like just breeze, you know, get through most of the points yeah. that we can discuss? At the Why don't end? you breeze through it, and then we'll talk about it at the end. Okay. So here, these are Marshan's words on Jack Collinsworth, the 27-year-old Notre Dame grad who is now NBC's Notre Dame football play-by-play announcer. Quote, Jack Collinsworth's last name and the NB and NBC family lineage surely didn't hurt him getting the Notre Dame play-by-play job, but he struggled Saturday as much as the Fighting Irish who were upset by Marshall. Let's Yeesh. address it all. And again, these are Marshan's words that I'm reading here. One, this is a big-time role that NBC's president of production, Sam Flood, entrusted to a 27-year-old in Collinsworth. Now, he goes on, he talks about how basically Mike Tirico had the job and, and Tirico moved on. He had Drew Brees last year and that kind of thing. And now the analyst, Collinsworth's partner, is former Cowboys coach Jason Garrett. And Tirico is now, of course, working with Collinsworth's father, right. uh, Chris Collinsworth. <clears throat> Again, this now I'll read this directly. Quote, when you're a 27 years old, haven't done a ton of play-by-play and have a big last name, there's going to be scrutiny and even charges of nepotism. Notre Dame on NBC is not on the job training. It is the big leagues. Again, this is from Martian. Four, Collinsworth didn't sound like a national TV play-by-player. His few reps showed in his lack of command. He had a habit of saying, mm-hmm, at times and felt a step slow on calls. In the big moments, he didn't exclaim and resonate. He didn't sound like someone who is fully in charge, which makes sense because he lacks play-by-play experience. Uh, I'll skip past some of this other stuff where he's talking about, you know, similar guys like Kenny Albert and, and Joe Buck. They had dads who were in the booth and that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily as relevant, but it's, you know. Um, then he says, Jack Collinsworth is fine as a reporter on NBC's Sunday Night Football. He may not be Bob Costas, but he doesn't feel out of place. On Saturday, Collinsworth failed to tell the stories of Marshall and the upset and connect the right words and tone on the game's biggest plays. The broadcast felt uneven. So those are Andrew Marshan. Again, he covers sports media extensively. He's on top of, you know, all this kind of stuff. What do you think of the review there and, and that, that Andrew Marshan gave Jack Collinsworth in his first game? Well, 
one of his points, I thought he was a little too nice, uh, to be honest with you, because when he was talking about him being, you know, uh, a reporter for Sunday Night Football, he said he may may not be Bob Costas, but he doesn't feel out of place. I still felt like he felt out of place. Like I didn't, it didn't, <laughs> I'm sorry. It didn't, I, I, and maybe it's because I've seen him on the Notre Dame broadcasts and maybe I'm biased in a negative fashion because, you know, he got the job working, you know, on the Notre Dame broadcast because of who he is before that. And that's what got him the job on Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just never all that impressed with him even being on the sidelines or at the halftime or pregame or whatever he was doing. Right. So I thought that was nice. I, I didn't because I don't feel that way at all. I, I do think he feels choppy. I do feel like it's inexperience. I mean, that's that's what it is. And it's nothing against what maybe he will be in 10 years. It's what he is now. And having him be the play-by-play guy for Notre Dame football, which is your flagship college football situation at NBC, and you, it, it just felt like an afterthought to me. And I just don't think he carried the torch very well for himself. I just was not all yeah. that impressed. And I, and, and to kind of escalate that a little bit, the relationship between him and Garrett felt forced. It didn't feel smooth. Because it is, you know, like think of the fact Absolutely. that like, if Mike Tirico was still there, Jason Garrett is now working with, with one of the best play-by-play announcers Correct. in the country who has what three, four decades of experience right. doing that job versus a guy who is, you know, half, not half of his age, but what, probably a good 20 or so years younger than him and is just as inexperienced as him. It's two rookies trying to work together. And look, I'd love to go back into the vault and sound, you know, hear what you and I sounded like when we first started, (laughs) but you were a pro and you were able to bring me along to where now we have a really good working relationship. This is completely different. Like Jack does not have the time under his belt to bring Jason Garrett along. And that's what a, cause there's a lot of green color guys that are out there. You know, yeah. it's a lot of former athletes or coaches or whatever. But they're typically, need- especially if you're jumping into yes. a network booth like this, yes. you are you- going to have a play-by-play guy who is much more experienced and correct. Can, basically the play-by-play guy needs to be the point guard, especially on TV. Yes. He needs to be the point guard for the analyst. He needs exactly. to set him up on TV. TV is much like we talk about Tony Romo. We talk about Troy Aikman. We talk about all these different analysts. On TV, the play-by-play guy, because you have the picture, the play-by-play guy there is there to set up the analyst. On radio, it is 80% the play-by-play guy, the mm-hmm. analyst gets in when he can because the radio guy has to describe as much as possible. Like even Correct. Jack Collinsworth, like to me, he talked too much. Like he he needed to lay out more often to let Jason Garrett get in and describe more. Like Collinsworth kept almost, a, there was too much detail basically because we can see what's going on. You know, like right. there was a, a blitz that Ramon Henderson had. It was like a third down. Yep. It basically, you know, Third down, you know, Notre Dame brings the heat, Ramon Henderson, you know, that kind of thing, because Henderson ended up with the sack. You know, that's what it needed to be. But instead, there was too much da 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 And then he would talk after the play, and Jason Garrett doesn't get a chance to get right. in and really 
you know, be the analyst. And, and to me, it had the feel more instead of NBC network TV, it had more a Big Ten network FS1 level quality because yeah. of the fact that you're talking about a 27 year old who literally the most football, as far as I can tell, you know, what I've been able to, the research that I've done, and I, you know, did look around quite a, you know, he's worked at ESPN and some other places. But the most football play-by-play that he had was this past summer when these two guys did USFL games together. Yeah, he's right. getting to cut his TV, as Marshan said. This is a big job, but he's getting to cut his teeth doing Notre Dame football on NBC. Now, absolutely, he's good enough, and if good enough is what, you know, it, the, 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 the Notre Dame job on NBC shouldn't be about good enough. It should right. be about you should have, you know, think about the people who have sat in that seat before. It's not good yeah. enough. No, I, I completely agree with you. And it was, they were rookie mistakes. You know what I mean? Because it was, it's different. Like you said, it's different to call radio versus TV. And it felt like he was calling radio as opposed to TV. It's just, it's a completely different feel to it. But it's still, even, even saying that, it still felt choppy to me. Yeah. It just felt, it just felt choppy. And if you're a rookie color guy, you need a veteran play-by-play guy to pull you along and, you know, help you out and get you into where you need to get your points in and all of that. Like, and even then it takes but Collinsworth time to is trying to figure that out himself right now. Exactly. And that's the problem. You've got two rookies learning on the job. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. And you're right. Maybe 10 years down the line, he's <laughs> going to end up being a really good play-by-play guy or even five years down the line yeah. or whatever. But he should be cutting his teeth over on, you know, doing ESPN Plus game. You know, and that's, you know, I would compare it to that as well because ESPN Plus even has, you know, like student quality, you know, student broadcasters a lot of times. It's just like this is a guy who hasn't gone out and cut his teeth in a place where basically nobody cares. Like when I was coming through college and we, you know, learning play by play and all this stuff, um, um, I can't think of his name right now. Um, ha, the uh, the guy who used to do college football for for ABC. Um, why can't I think of his name? Basically, they he he uh, talked to one of our classes one time, but he basically, you know, the 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 basic gist of what he was saying is, you've got to go out, you've got to go off the grid, and you cut your teeth. You know, you get your reps in places that there aren't a whole lot of people paying attention. But yeah, that's not what, you know, Jack Collinsworth is, right. is cutting his teeth on national TV yes. right now. And all of his mistakes are going to be there every week for people. And, and the, you know, if this season keeps spiraling the way that it's spiraling right now, Keith Jackson, Keith Jackson, I don't know why I couldn't think. I was, I was thinking granddaddy of them all and all these different things, but I couldn't think of. <laughs> I was going to ask name. you if that's who it was, but yeah. 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 No, but so, you're, you're you're absolutely right, and it's look. He got the job because of who who. Yeah, I, I look when it comes to nepotism, quote unquote, and, and getting a job because of who your parents are. I don't necessarily have a problem with that if you are good at your job. I mean, right. yeah, some people have an in because of who their parents are. That's just a fact, you know, no doubt about it. But I want you to be good at your job too, you know, and and a lot of a lot of career moves and stuff are all about opportunity. And sometimes you can get different opportunities based on who you are. You know, it is what it is. Tori Spelling had a great career because of who her dad was. You sure. know what I mean? That's the, I don't know why I came up with that, but that was what came into my head. So 
yes, it can open doors for you, but you shouldn't get jobs you don't deserve and aren't good at. Well, and that's, you know, there was a lot of criticism of Joe, but, you know, there's always been criticism of Joe Buck, but, the, yeah. you know, that was a criticism of him getting a network job early on as well. But Joe Buck, you know, he didn't walk into the number one booth. Right. Even because he had that name, you know, Jack, you know, and being the son of Jack Buck, he, Jack Buck, he didn't walk into that number one booth right off the street. You know, he, right. he cut his teeth, you know, he did other things. And even when he got the, the first network job, he wasn't front and center on that network right away. He grew into that, turned into the number one guy. Basically he earned his stripes. He proved that he yeah. deserved to be there. Maybe Collinsworth does that, but you know, like, I agree with like Marchand, like right now, he just doesn't have that authoritative yeah. voice in this booth, you know, like, like between the two, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the biggest Jason Garrett fan because of, you know, my, my yeah, Cowboys background, fair. but like between the two, Jason Garrett did the better job, you know, because right. he knows his stuff when it comes to football. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what you want from a color guy, you know? So I will say the bar is set lower for a color guy than it is for a play-by-play guy, just because right. you expect of what that the job he's the is, jock and you know that he's going to have to yes. on the job. Absolutely yeah. correct. I expect not perfection, but I expect you know professionalism and and all of that from and, and experience from my play-by-play guy. Yeah. So it's disappointing, but it is what it is, I guess. I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll we'll, we'll check in on. Hopefully, this he gets better. Season, yeah, we'll you check know, at the end of the season. <laughs> See how the, par- the parallels between Marcus Freeman getting a job without the experience and Jack Collinsworth getting the job without the experience and it being Notre Dame. Believe me, the parallels are not lost on me right That's now. True. Very true. <laughs> hopefully they both get better by the end of the season. Yes. Yes. All right. So last night's Monday night football game had another rookie head coach. The Broncos were trailing 17 to 16, a little bit more than a minute to play in the fourth quarter. So they're down by a point. Russell Wilson completes a short pass. They end up with the ball at the Seattle 46. They had all three timeouts. It's fourth and five. Rather than go for it, try to convert the first down with all three timeouts and you know maybe set up a manageable field goal, Broncos rookie head coach Nathaniel Hackett lets the game clock wind all the way down to 20 seconds before finally calling a timeout. And then... He brings Russell Wilson off the field, and they try a 64-yard field goal to try to win the game. The field goal, of course, misses. So do you buy or sell that as the right call, Vince? That was literally the worst thing that you could have done in that particular scenario. The worst thing you could have possibly done. Number one, they the third down got over with about 50 seconds to go, I want to say. First of all, you're going to call timeout right then and there. Okay. Right. So you at least have 50 seconds to work with. Second of all, I'm going for it on fourth and five, because if you get it, you're still in the ball game. You still have probably over 40 seconds to play and you still have two timeouts. Okay. Right. If you don't get it, you turn the ball over. They're just going to put knees on it. It's game over anyway. Okay. Or you turn it over. You still have two timeouts. Oh, maybe you get the ball back. You never know. But the bottom line is you call timeout right away. You go for it. 
I trust Russell Wilson. He's the 10 year veteran who's made a lot of fourth quarter comebacks. I trust him to get a fourth and five, if I'm being honest. And then you've got the whole rest of the way to go. You need probably another 10 yards for a makeable field goal. And then you go from there. The worst thing you could have possibly done is let the time tick all the way down and try to kick a 64 yard field goal with a kicker who hasn't kicked over 50 yards in like six years. I like, guess I, I, it just dawned on me. Brian's the Broncos fan. We should have had him on here. Oh. <laughs> it's not, a, but it's like you just you know you you mentioned Russell Wilson. You you know you just got Russell Wilson in the off season, and now he's back in his old stomping grounds. He's the guy with like you yes. got him for that situation. That's why you got Russell Wilson, not to try to kick a sixty-four yard field goal, and then so then after they miss the field goal. And Seattle gets the ball back. Then Hackett decides when Geno Smith is taking a knee, now he's going to start using his timeouts. Like, like what is that? <laughs> what are you accomplishing by calling timeout? In that, you know, it's just it's ridiculous that you would rather put the game on the foot of a no-name kicker than put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands with all three timeouts. Let him try to get a first yeah. down. And again, at the very worst case, if you you know get a first down, you're trying a shorter field goal. It just it, it made absolutely zero sense to me that that was your answer, a 64-yard field goal. And I, I'm watching the Manning cast at the end of the game, and Peyton Manning is up in the corner. You know, they, they've got him, like, you know, it, just their heads or whatever. And he's like, you got time out. <laughs> and he's just going, like, like, the other guys are talking, and he's just going like this over and over and over again. Right. It's like, why are you not calling time out? It was unfathomable. To me, that he didn't call timeout. It's like, what are you waiting for? Yeah, it just I I didn't I didn't get it. That felt too obvious to me, which is why it's so so hard to watch. You know, and again, like if Notre Dame had lost the Marshall game, and we were oh, and we substituted like Marcus Freeman for Nathaniel Hackett, like if if Marcus Freeman had made this kind of decision. Then we're having a different conversation today about whether or not this guy is suited to be a head coach. Hundred percent, I think. Right, hundred percent, absolutely. If it came down to a decision like that, you're like, "What are you doing? Like, you yeah. don't, you don't, you don't need to be there. You don't need to be there." That's exactly uh, right. Yeah, that would have been that would have been horrible. Yeah, it would not yep. have been a good look. Yep. All right. Last question tonight. Albert Pujols plans to retire at the end of the season as we speak. He currently has 697 home runs. And he's been on fire lately. He has. So maybe, you know, this question is going to be moot by the end of the week, but <laughs> we are sitting here, you know, in the middle of April right now. Let's say the season ends and he's sitting on 699 home runs. Should Pujols come back for one more year if he's sitting on 699 at the end of the season? Kind of like Mr. 3000. You come back yeah. to get your three hits or whatever it was. Cause they, right. they took, I think they, Siri wants to chime in on this. She was just talking. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I mean, it, yeah, it's a number or whatever, but to say that you had 700 home runs in major league baseball, that'd be a pretty cool number to achieve. I would talk to the Cardinals like, Hey, you know, how about you let me be your DH for a few games until I get that one home run or whatever. And then I'll retire. <laughs> and then I'm out. And then I'm out. I will, I will, you know, head off into the sunset, you know, whatever. Maybe I'm being petty when it comes to the number or whatever. But when you're so close to kind of a milestone like that, 
uh-huh. it'd be hard to walk away with six ninety nine. It just would for me. I don't know. I no, I think I you think should so consider too. it. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe he just, you know, like DHs for home games or something. Yeah. You know, like something like that. I think he's going to end up, you know, like you said, the way the way he's swinging the bat right now, he's got two weeks to do it. All True. he needs is three more home runs. But, you know, who knows? Maybe the pressure gets to him a little bit. I, I, I don't think I could walk away, especially, you know, he's 42 yeah. years old allegedly you know there there've always been those rumors <laughs> that maybe he's older than, right. than you know what he says that he is but to sit on 699 after the career that he had i think you've got to come back if if he doesn't get to 700 yeah. baseball is such a a numbers driven yeah. game especially with those home runs and he's a guy who has never been linked to steroids as well i, I don't i don't think that you could walk away and you know if, if he were to come back even the way he's swinging the bat right now, even if he does get over 700, I would think that there would be some incentive to try to be the guy, you know, to say, you know, because the other guys who have, have, have passed that 715, they have not been, you know, they have not been free of the uh, PED allegations. Yeah. I guess let's put it that way. Absolutely. No, <laughs> that's he a good would point. Be, you know, that's a good point, could, which makes it even he could a better be the clean pile, guy. Though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would consider it, you know, why not? I mean, the, and the yeah. Cardinals are usually in contention. So, I mean, I know every roster spot is legit and you right. need every roster spot. So, I mean, there is that. It'd be one thing if he was like playing for the Pirates or something. But yeah. so, I mean, that has to be taken well, into consideration. that's the thing too. Like, would it be with the Cardinals? Yeah, you know, right. Would, would they want him back and all those different kind of things? I so. will also say that if it's either retire as a Cardinal and not get to 700, or come back next year with like the Marlins or something like that. I'm retiring yeah. as a Cardinal. So yeah. I will, I put That's that caveat on it. It would have to be the situation. Yeah. Like, like, you know, if it's the Yankees. Right. Like you even, you know, and not the Cardinals, right. you know, cause like goes to New York, he's going to have a chance to hit Mondo home runs and you know, all that. It's true. Yeah. Like if yeah, if you're gonna come back with the Pirates or the Marlins, that's a different yeah, situation. Exactly. I would wanna if I'm if I'm Albert, I want to retire as a Cardinal because that's where he kind of made his name and his hay and all that. Yeah, I would want to retire as a Cardinal. It's why he came back to St. Louis in the first place. So if they're not open to it, then it is what it is. I didn't do what I needed to do in the amount of time that I had. So yeah. All right, Vince. Well, I'm gonna have to wrap it up. I gotta get heading out over to Notre Dame because again, we've got those uh post-practice interviews tommy reese Al golden are both going to be coming out drew pine's going to be out for that matter as Uh, well so we've got kind of a who's who out there that's right tonight let me know how that goes buddy all right sounds good well thanks for uh jumping on early tonight and uh i guess have a good rest of the week i'll uh get the mailbag coming up tomorrow but tons of tons of content coming up for the rest of the week here on ivy nation Rate, review, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We appreciate it as always, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports Club.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.